The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Amen. <clears throat> Don't our ushers do a good job? Parents don't worry if they, uh, we go the wrong way or do the wrong thing. They're learning, right? Uh, that's We've got to start, so uh, you uh, let them have their way. And brothers and sisters, we might direct them every now and then how to, how to go. We don't need to be so staunch and stiff-necked that we can't uh, train up our young ones. And, and uh, it's not a program that that we need to be uh, uptight about. I don't, I'm not saying we are, but uh, I'm just saying uh, I think they do a good job. I appreciate you parents helping them out and getting them up here. Uh, we're going to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and uh, I, I've built a sermon here uh, probably six weeks ago or longer, maybe eight weeks ago, for Labor Day. <clears throat> and uh, I was gone working <laughs> on Labor Day. And I was gone the week before and the Sunday after, so uh, last week I really wanted to go with uh, the theme of what we talked about, and that's laying ourselves really treasures on earth and, and realizing that those things are all temporary. So this morning, we're kind of going to go back and revisit some things about Labor Day, and uh, I think they're relevant whether we're at Labor Day or whether we're a couple of weeks passed, so just bear with me if you would. The first Labor Day, uh, I think somebody took Thessalonians. There it is. I thought somebody swirled it out of my Bible. The first Labor Day, uh, does anybody have any idea what, what the very first time it was celebrated? Just a year. Anybody got any idea? Okay. Anybody else? Nobody here was alive. Okay. It was 1882. <laughs> I don't think anybody was alive uh, back then uh, from here, but uh, it was a Tuesday, September the 5th in 1882, and it was in New York City, and it was a central labor union got together, and they, they had plans to celebrate labor, to celebrate an opportunity to work. The next year, uh, they made it a holiday, September the 5th, 1883. Uh, in 1884, the first Monday in September was selected as the holiday. It was originally posed to the Central Labor Union, and they urged other companies to do this, or other cities to follow the example of New York. That's where it was at. And they call it a working man's holiday. That's what it was called then on that date. Uh, 85, it began to spread even more and even more through more cities and more cities and in states. And uh, in 1909, it became a national holiday. The, the auxiliary, Women's Auxiliary Topographical Union, the form, they, they, uh, they put together a statement about, the labor, about labor Day. And, and from that, there was a, that was a proposal about Labor Day. And here's what it said. Part of what it said was, uh, this, is, this will be a, a holiday and a parade to exhibit to the public the strength and the spirit of the trade and the labor organizations of our community. So it was a, it was a day to demonstrate that, a day for parades where people came out and celebrated those who worked. Listen to this description. I, I really like this. The, the, the reason for this, the vital force of labor added materially 
to the highest standard of living and the greatest production the world has ever known. Listen to that again. The vital force of labor added materially to the highest standard of living and the greatest production to the wor- that the world has ever known. It's brought us closer to the realization of our traditional ideals of economic, political de- democracy. It's appropriate, therefore, that the nation pay tribute on Labor Day to the creator of so much of the nation's strength, the nation's freedom, and the nation's liber- uh, leadership, the American worker. Well, that's what the ideal was behind Labor Day. That was the ideal that we would, we would celebrate, we would put uh, a day aside that we can say, you know, because of our, the American workers, we have the benefits we have, we have the blessings we have. Of course, we know under all of that foundation is God the Father. If you go back and you look at the Constitution, it was, it was built on the foundation of the Bible. It was built on the, 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 the principles that God had laid out for us. And the, the, the Bible has a lot to say about work. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Second Thessalonians chapter three, 10 through 12 is where we're going to, was where, is one of the scriptures we're going to look. Now we're going to look at a lot of scriptures this morning. So with this, I want you to think about this. Have you ever seen those signs that say, we'll work for food? If you ever, you may not see many of those in uh, Delta County or, or at our one flashing yellow light we have downtown. But if you uh, go to a city or anywhere that has a, a red light, somewhere that, that you can stop, there, there may be someone there with a sign that says, we'll work for food or any number of things. Would it be unreasonable to suggest that that sign would say, must work for food? And when we begin to look at what God's Word says, I think we'll come to a, a better understanding of that. Recently, someone suggested this, uh, that an able-bodied person, poor person, uh, if you want to put that that title to them, should perform some sort of community service to receive benefits. That's been put out recently. So an able-bodied person, poor, whatever, should, should perform some type of work if they're receiving some kind of community service. Of course, there's others that oppose that. They said, oh, that's a terrible ideal. You know, we, we don't think we ought to do that. And we're, we're not going to get into this. This is, not a, this is not a message this morning that's meant to be uh, bipartisan or anything along uh, political lines. This is simply looking at what God's Word has to say. So with that, Franklin D. Roosevelt, he created the CCC. It was, a, it was formed in March of 1933. It was called the Civilian Conservation Corps, CCC. And it was a, it was a new ideal program. And what it was, it was the ideal that, that the public works... Uh, would promote an environment of conservation. It would, it would uh, put out a, an opportunity for citizens uh, to work. That was the whole idea behind that. So the, our country was in some turmoil. There was, there was no jobs. There was no opportunities for people to work. So, so uh, FDR, he came out with this idea through, through uh, vigorous disciplined labor. The CCC would put our nation to work. So it worked. It did so. It put millions of men, mostly unskilled men, to work. And in that work, what it was, was it was an, an ideal that they would build public buildings. They would build public roadways. They would do 
things, kind of government things, and through that they would get a paycheck, and through the ability to get a paycheck, they were able to go and provide for their families. That was the whole idea behind that, CCC. And so it was an ideal that uh, it was a full-time job. It was not easy labor. It was hard labor, but it was an opportunity to put people to work. So this morning, what does that have to do with everything? We're going we're gonna to kind of start off in Leviticus in 19.10, and we're going to kind of look at what God has to say about work. We're going to look at kind of what God has to say about providing for others. And in Leviticus 19.10, it says, And you shall not glean your vineyard, neither shall you gather every grape of the vineyard. You shall leave some for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Now, what glean means is glean means to thoroughly clean or wholly reap. In other words, what God's commandments there in the law, and this was his ideal to provide for the needy, was when you go out and you harvest your crop, you're going to leave some of that crop in the field. Now, you're going to, you're going to harvest everything, but things that may not be ready to harvest, uh, a lot of times when we read in Scripture and we begin to study this, the corners of the field, the, the Lord said, leave those things. Don't glean them wholly. Now, look, uh, completely, I'm not saying wholly, H-O-L-Y, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Don't, don't, don't completely strip everything that's there in your fields. Deuteronomy 24, 21 says, And when you gather the grapes of the vineyard, you shall not glean it afterwards. In other words, that second time, that second picking to go back and get everything, it shall be for the strangers, for the fatherless, fatherless, and for the widow. So when we look at this, God provided for the poor during those times. Now here's a key I want you to understand. When you read this, what does it say? What are you, what are you gathering from this? Th- those folks had to go into the field and harvest it, didn't they? God provided it for them. God said, okay, here's how I want to provide for you. When you go out to your fields and you, you, uh, you bring in your harvest, leave some of the corners, leave some of the, the pickings there in the field. And, and that way, when, when those strangers, when those fatherless, when those come in and they have a need, they can go out into the field and they can gather up for what they have. They can gather for their needs. And, and if we go down and, and get a better understanding of this, Ruth in 2.2, this is Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And Ruth, now she's, uh, she's husbandless, okay? Uh, she is a Moabitess and said to Naomi, Let us go down to the field and glean. So what does glean mean? That means to, to actually thoroughly reap, Okay? So she says, hey, Naomi, let's go out and let's thoroughly clean those ears of corn. After him whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go, my daughter. Now Ruth 2.7 says, and she said, I pray to you. She's talking to the, the master here of the field. She said, I pray to you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and had continued even from the morning until now, and she tarried in a little house. All right, this lady Ruth, she's an ancestor of God. She's going to be in the the line of of Jesus Christ. I I said God and Jesus Christ the same, but she's in the... If you go over in Matthew, she's in the ancestry of Jesus Christ. We find her here. We find that she's living in poverty, but she's going and she's working. Now, Ruth 2.16, this is is, uh, uh, Boaz talking. Boaz told his servants, now let some fall in handfuls. 
Okay, so they're out, they're harvesting, and, and Ruth has come to him. He said, she, she's asking, can I go out and glean your fields? And, and uh, uh, Boaz is kind of starting to fall in love with her. But uh, he, he says to his servants, let some of it fall in handfuls for her purpose and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So what I want you to see out of this is Boaz, he, he starts to fall in love with Ruth. And Naomi, and, and he says, hey, when you're out service, when you're out working in the field, drop some handfuls of grain. It'll be easier for them because I love this woman. But, but notice this, even though he loved her, what was she still doing? He was still saying, but she, she's going to go out and she's going to gather up. She's going she's to provide for herself. She still had to do work. But she got a little extra blessing from this. Well, I want you just to, to think, what was your first thought there? Maybe you haven't had a thought yet, but, but to me the first thought when I read that is, well, if he loved her, why didn't he just give it to her? Why didn't he just say, just gather up a couple bushels, let's carry it over to Ruth and Naomi, and let's just let them have it. I think the reason being is we're going to see a little bit later in Scriptures he understood that, that Ruth, she wanted to work. She wanted to provide. She wanted to go out and, and use her hands. And he was saying, you know what? I'm going to give you the opportunity. Ruth, uh, Ruth, I want you to have the opportunity to go and to provide for yourself. Oh, by the way, servants, make that a little easier on her. But we're not going to go out and we're not just going to give things to her. So that kind of brings us to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. And this is what it says, for even when we were with you, this is, uh, this is Paul talking and talking about uh, some of his followers and some of the apostles there. Even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if anyone will not work, what does it say? Neither should he eat. The sign it says, must work for food. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, Working not at all, but are busybodies. Well, what does that sound like? You have there's some among you that they're not working, but they're always busybodies. They're always there uh, getting into this and getting into that and trying to be provided for. Now then, he says, uh, that we as such we command and exhort you by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they would work and that they would eat their own bread. Now, I challenge you to underline some of these scriptures or mark them down somewhere so you can come back and, and realize that this is not something that, that we've had to twist around and take out of context, but this is what God's plan is. And for his disciples, he, he says the, uh, the, the message to the church of Thessalonica was this, hey, if, if you're not willing to go out and work, you shouldn't be able to eat. And we have busybodies that's not working, but they're, they're going around, they're being divisive, and they're turning things up. Notice that he didn't say those who could not work. Now, I want, you to get, I want you to hear this this morning. This may be so far out in left field, you're thinking, why are we even talking about this? Well, I believe that, that we're supposed to look at the full counsel of God's Word, and I believe uh, when it comes to work, that's part of God's Word, and I think we need to know it, and we need to understand what it says. Do you agree with that? So that's why we're even looking at this. So there are people who are truly disabled. There are elderly that, that need to be provided for since they cannot work. What was God's plan for them from the beginning? If you go over to Acts and you look at the first church, 
What did the first church do? It, it met the needs of the elderly. It met the needs of those who were not able to provide. So it was, it was a plan of God that, that those who, who had no relatives, God had, had put that in place. That's what Ruth ends up being. That's the whole story there. Her, her relatives have died and God had put into place. This is how we provide for those. We, we go through the church and the church cares for the poor. The, the church cares for those who not, cannot provide for their own, for their own, for their own self. And also during that culture, there were some who sought alms. They went to the church and they, they sought alms. So, so when we look at this passage, Don't say we're just striking out those who are not able to work. We're not striking out those who are too old to work. God made provisions for them, and He made it through the church. I just wonder how often are we asked for money when we're headed to our own jobs. Many times we, uh, we, we see people that's made their job to ask for handouts, don't we? I was in Mesquite, Texas, and I worked for uh, Encore down there. We weren't Encore back then, but we were TXU or TU Electric or some some name. And and uh, I was over in this uh, kind of the southeastern part around Seagaville, and there was a guy there on the corner, and he had some type of sign asking for some type of, of handout, and, and he got getting things pretty regular. There's a KFC there on that corner, and I was actually up there turning their power off because they had a fire anyway. Well, I watched this guy, and, and uh, after a few minutes, he, he walked away. He walked across the street. He walked down a parking lot, so I just drove my company truck right around the corner, and he walked into a parking lot, and there was two more guys sitting in a brand-new car. This is true. One got out, handed him a lunch. He took the sign and headed back down to the corner. They, they were working shift work. You know, they had worked it out that, hey, I'm getting hot out here. You go stand down there a while. And it was their job. That was what they did for a living. And, and when we look at that, I think that's what we need to understand. That's not God's plan. It's not God's plan for us. It's not God's plan for our nation. And remember, we're built upon the, the foundation of Jesus Christ as a nation. Many of you, uh, you know, you, you, you run across people that won't work because they say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a grade higher than what's available. I got my job with Texas Power and Light because of that. They hired a guy, went and interviewed. I interviewed about five or six times, got turned down, got turned down, got turned down interviewed, the guy said, no, I'm sorry, you know, you did a really good job. I'd already heard that. Boy, we liked you. Interview all that we can. Two weeks later, he called me back. He said, hey, would you wear somebody else's clothes? Now, I'm kind of cleaning this up a little bit, but uh, he said, would you? And I said, what? And he said, "Uh, yeah, this is uh, Bill Baker. That's who I interviewed with. He said, would you wear this other guy's clothes? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, he quit. If you can wear his uniform, I'm going to hire you. I said, I'll wear it. You know, I, I, can, I can squeeze into it. I was little then, believe it or not. I had about a 29-inch waist, so anything 29 and bigger, I could make it work. So uh, when I come in, he, he laughed. He said, this guy read meters. That's what I did when I started, just walking house to house. He said, after two weeks, he came in and said, look, I'm management material. If you don't have something else for me, I'm quitting. So I'm glad that guy had that mentality. Now, that was 34 years ago. So it's not something new. But he said, hey, I'm not working below my pay grade. So I want you this morning just to think about the times and the amounts of money you've worked for. 
in your lifetime. I don't know if hauling hay for a nickel a bale, that may have been pretty good money. I think that's what we hauled hay for back when I was a kid. Uh, I think uh, if I went to daddy and and, uh, I said I wanted money, you know what he said? What's that song? Get a job. If you don't know that song, you know that's, that's what it is. I started working for a lady. I cannot remember her name. Who was our neighbor? You remember her name right across the road from us in that white house? She had a Miss Bolton. It's, that's right. She hired me for a dollar an hour to mow, edge, and do her shrubs. I don't know how old she was. Around the age of dirt is what she looked like, you know, when I, when I was working for her. She got around really slow, but she would walk the whole yard and watch me work. And if I missed anything, she called me Jockey. <laughs> My name, I go in by Jakey then. She called me Jockey all the time. She never got it right. She'd say, Jockey, you missed this over here, you know, and I'd have to go. And we, we edged with a metal edger, you know, and then swept and cleaned and trimmed. And then we would go in the house, and she would sit down at her table, and she made me sit down with her, and she would she'd watch you. You know, when I was a kid, if you could kind of slack a little bit, you know, well, she'd say, now you stop for 15 minutes over here doing this. You know, I'm like, come on, lady. <laughs> she would take her pencil out, and she would say, Okay, and you know, shaking hands, and she'd draw a big old three on there, and she'd say, you work three hours, and she'd draw a line under it, and, and, uh, and, and she'd say, in a quarter hours, and I'm paying you a dollar an hour, and she would do the long division with a, a, a dollar and a point four, and she'd say, all right, this is a quarter, and it goes into a dollar and the decimal, and so I owe you a dollar and a quarter, <laughs> and, and she had the first dime she ever made, you know, but it didn't matter. She owed me a dollar and a quarter, but you know what? I was proud to have that, weren't you? I mean, when you was there, and you got to look across the lawn, and you got to see the edging, you got to see the shrubs, the shrubs trimmed, and, and on top of that, you had a couple of bucks in your pocket. Wasn't that rewarding? And, and so from a, a young age, and, and I was just thinking this morning how I, I'm sure there's many of you here who'd like to tell that same story. Oh, I remember when I started, and I remember doing this, and I remember growing up. I remember getting married, and, and I made $600 a month, and I'd bought a house. I've told you all the part of this story. I, I had bought a house and, and uh, got married, and my house payment was, a, was about $250 a month, and I was making $600 a month, and I, and I bought a Ranger bus boat, and my payment was $350 a month. <laughs> Go figure. That was not one of my brightest moments. But, but listen, I think what we've, what's happened to us is, is we've, we've moved into a, part, a place where, where kids, and, and I don't know, that's kind of a general term for me now, they want to... They wanna, graduate and start where mom and daddy is, don't they? They don't want to start down here in, in a, a 700 square feet home where, where we did. And they don't want to, they don't want to buy a $1,500 house or a $10,000 house. They want to drive the new car and live in the brick house and, and do all those things. And, and when, that don't, when that don't happen, they say, well, you know, I can't work for that. 
Miss Bolton, I can't work for a dollar an hour. I need to be managing somewhere. Instead of saying, well, I better work for a dollar an hour. How many of you have, have worked in, in temperatures below freezing and way above 110? And, and you may not have loved it. You may have hated it. But you realize, hey, I have to do this. I have to provide. I, I have to have a job. How many of you have, have worked at this job for eight or nine hours a day or ten hours a day and, and then got off and then went and worked at another job just because, hey, I need a little extra money. I, I need something that, that I can put together and, and I need to be able to, to have this or to afford this. And, and I'll tell you something else. I've never been able to quit a job before I found another one. Have you ever done that? I don't, I don't think I've ever quit a job. I, I got, I've got laid off from a couple of jobs. And, but, but as far as just saying, you know what, I, I'm just going to quit. I think we need to understand, folks, that's not what God's Word says. And we can think about God's Word and we can put it to all these spiritual applications. But remember, God's interested about all of our life. He's interested about every aspect of our life. And part of His ideal for us is to be working and to be providing and to be making use with our hands. I think for those that receive some, some public benefits, I see no reason they can't perform some type of civil duty, whatever it may be. I don't see why we can't look at what the plan is and, and say, you know what, because we're helping you. I think the problem is we forgot that, that the ideal behind helping someone is to what? Get them on their feet and get them moving, right? Not give them something where they can get on their butt and sit on the couch all day. That's not the ideal. The ideal behind something helping is, hey, we're going to give you a little push, we're going to give you a little help, and then we're going to move you on out where you can go out and provide. I think we need to understand that's the ideal, and that's where we need to be headed today. I love the, uh, this movie, and I, my Sunday night and Wednesday night folks that come, y'all always talk about uh, the, the show that comes on, uh, can't even remember the name of it all of a sudden, Lock Up. And uh, have, have y'all ever seen that uh, Angola? Do y'all know about that prison? They, uh, they, I think it's that. It may be that Mara, Maricopa, but, but uh, this is the guy that they puts prisoners in tents. Or pie, is that it? And gives them pink underwear <laughs> and puts them in tents. And uh, they have a work program. And they go out and work every day. The interesting thing is they want to be on the work program. When they complain about the tents, when they complain about the things, you know what he says? He says, number one, you're in prison. <laughs> and if you're in prison, it shouldn't be like you're at the, the Taj Mahal. It shouldn't be like you're at the Holiday Inn. You're, you're actually in prison. The other thing he says, if it's good enough for our military, it's good enough for you. And the military sleep in tents, and the military do these things. So his idea is, hey, we, we don't want you to come back here. We want you to hate this place and say, well, I'm not going back there. But the idea is, he puts people to work. And I think we need to understand, that's a, that's a great idea. Even in paradise... When Adam and Eve was created, when Adam and Eve was put on this earth, the, the, the thing is they were put here to work. Did you know that? The, the Bible says, hey, God came, and we're going to look at that Scripture and says, hey, I want you to work this land. Before the fall, 
There were no thistles, there were no thorns, there were no locust trees and, and, uh, and persimmon sprouts and all those things that we have to fight and deal with right now. I don't know if it was ragweed or not, but, but all of those things that, that we had, there were none of those things, so they loved their work, they enjoyed the work. You may enjoy your work, but, but during that time, uh, that, was God's, that was God's plan. And we, we work towards retirement. That's great. I'm working towards retirement. But we need to realize even in retirement, it's not God's plan that we just sit around and say, you know what, I'm through. People who, who are busy in retirement, they're happier than those who just vegetate on the couch. That's God's plan. See, it all works together. Work is good for us. We shouldn't deny people the opportunity to work. We shouldn't deny poor people the opportunity to work. We shouldn't deny uh, uh, availability to let others work. Let me just give you a couple of stories, and we're going to look at the Scripture, and I'm going to be finished. Given the opportunity to work, I'm not even going to tell you all that story. I'll tell you after church if you want to hear about it. But it has to do with giving someone an opportunity to work. Every excuse they could come up with, I had an answer for. Daddy had a furniture store and an antique store downtown, and I said, he'll hire you. I can't get there. I said, it's in walking distance. I've got a baby. He don't care if you put a crib up. Well, well I can't do I don't know. Anything. All you got to do is sweep and dust. You know what? They quit calling. They weren't interested anymore. The, the, the girl was about 18 years old, had two babies, but she was not interested in any kind of work. That's, that's our problem today. We've, we come up with the ideal of, you know what, I'm entitled to something. And instead of standing up on that, even sometimes Christians, we become those who enable. We understand that's not God's design. That's not God's desire for us. In Genesis, God created man to enjoy his work. Genesis 2, 5 says, Wild bushes and plants were not on the earth yet because the Lord hadn't sent, them, hadn't sent rain upon the earth. Also, there was no one to work the land or farm the land. Verse 7, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth, blew the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. In verse 15, chapter 2, The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden. And he said to him, work the land and take care of it. That was God's design. That's God's plan. That's why we were created. We were created to worship God. And in our worshiping God, he says, I've given you a purpose in life, and that's to provide and to work. Romans 4, verse 4, Paul's talking. When people work, their pay is not regarded as a gift, but something they've earned. Listen to this. I know I'm taking that scripture out of context because what Paul is talking about is working for salvation. What I wanted you to see in this is, is even though that's the, the context, what, what he's talking about, he's talking about a principle regarding contracts and obligations. So when Paul says this, he's not saying go out and work. He, he's talking about salvation, but the, the principle in the contract is this, their pay is not regarded as a gift, but something they've earned, okay? That's the principle in contract that he's using. Now, in salvation, he's not talking about salvation. But I just wanted you to see the, the, the ideal that, that Paul says, hey, we all understand this, when we work... What we receive is not a gift. It's something that we've worked for. It's something that, that's due us. When you say, I, I have rights to these things, you do. You have a right to work. And not only do we have a right to work, we have a right to be paid. And when we work and we get paid, we've earned what we have. 1 Corinthians 4, 
11 through 16, to this very moment, this is again Paul, the apostles are talking, we've gone hungry and thirsty, we're clothed in rags, we're beaten, we wander from place to place, we wear ourselves out with hard work. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure. When we're insulted, we answer back with kind words. We're no more than, God, than, this, than garbage in this world. We're the scum of the earth at this very moment. I write this to you, not because I want to make you feel ashamed, but to instruct you as one of my own dear children. For even if you have 10,000 guardians in your Christian life, you have only one father. For in your life in union with Jesus Christ, I become your father, bringing good news to you. I beg you then to follow my example. Verse chapter 9, 3 through 10. When people criticize me, this is how I defend myself. I don't have the right to be given food or drink for what I've done, for my work. People were criticizing Paul because the church was giving him uh, food and drink, and we could go into all of that, how that worked out. So he says, don't I have the right? to be paid for my work. Don't I have the right to follow examples of apostles, the Lord's brothers, and Peter by taking a Christian wife or meet with me on trips, or Barnabas, and the, the only ones who have worked, are they the only ones who have worked out our, our living? What soldiers have their pay? What soldiers ever have to pay their own expenses in the army? What farmers do not eat the grapes of their own vineyard? What shepherds do not use the milk from their own sheep? I don't have to limit myself to these everyday examples because the law says the same thing. We read the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox when we're using him in the threshing grain. Now, is it God's concern about the oxen? Did not he really mean us when he said that? Of course, that was written for us. Anyone who plows, anyone who reaps should do their work in the hope of getting a share of the crop. Colossians 3, 22 through 24. It says slaves. Now, if you're in the King James Version, it says servants. So we're not talking about slaves in the form of slavery we were thinking about. We're thinking about workers. We're thinking about those who serve others. Obey your human, it says masters. You go back and you look at that original text. It says, here's how it defines it, mister or those in authority. So basically what it tells us today is workers, obey your bosses in all things. Not only when they're watching you because you want to gain their approval, but also with a sincere heart because of reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work it with all your heart, even though you're working for the Lord and not for people. Remember that the Lord will give you a reward that he has kept for his people. For Christ is the real master whom we serve. Isn't that a great passage of Scripture? Paul says, look, whatever you do, workers obey whoever those are in authority. I, I thought about John Wayne in the, the movie McClintock and, and Dev's in there, if, if y'all remember Devlin. And, and uh, he's, he likes uh, John Wayne's daughter, who, who was McClintock. And, and uh, one, of the, one of the servants in the house says, boy, I wouldn't let her, the prettiest girl in the county, run away. And he says, what am I? I'm just a hired hand. And, and John Wayne McClintock says, Devin, you, you spend some of the oddest thoughts sometimes. He said, me, I work for every American that puts a ribeye steak or a T-bone steak. 
and you work for me. That's the same thing. See, what he was saying is, is, hey, we're working for a bigger authority. We're working for something. Even if we're working for someone, do it with all our might, with sincere hearts. Work out of reverence for the Lord. Ephesians 4.28 Let him who steals, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, those are things which is good, so that he may have something to give back to those who are in need. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 Try earnestly to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands just as you've been commanded. Luke 5, 5, Simon answered, We worked hard all night long and let down our leads. That's a picture of when Christ comes along and we see the apostles and what are they doing? They're out working. Matthew 4, 18, Walking along the beach of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon later called Peter and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets in the lake. It was their regular job. It was their regular work. I don't think we find anywhere in scriptures where where pastors are full-time. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying we need to work. Well, I didn't get a single amen out of that. I was that, so that when, I hesitate, I, when I hesitate, I'm waiting for something to come back to me. I know it's 12.03. Uh, over in Proverbs 12.14, listen to this, and then we're going to close with this. Well-spoken words bring satisfaction, but well-done work has its own reward. Proverbs 12, 24, The diligent find freedom in their work, but the lazy are oppressed by theirs. Proverbs 14, 23, Work hard always. A work, hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. 14, 35, Diligent work gets a warm accommodation. Shiftless work earns angry rebuke. 16, 26, Listen to this, appetite as an incentive to work. Hunger makes you work even harder. <laughs> Eighteen nineteen says, slack habits are sloppy and work are as bad as vandalism. Slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism. 21, 25, lazy people finally die of hunger because they won't get up and go to work. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. observe people who are good at their work. Skilled laborers are always in demand and admired. Don't take a back seat to anyone. Here's, I like this, twenty eight nineteen. Work in your garden, you'll end up with plenty of food. Party and play, you end up with an empty plate. <laughs> Isn't that pretty good? Proverbs 31, 17, first thing in the morning, she dresses for work, she rolls up her sleeves, and she's eager to get started. Verse 18, she senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. And here's the last one. That was for you ladies. Here's the last one for us men. Ecclesiastes 2.24, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is a gift from the hand of God. Do you ever end a day and uh, yesterday we, me and the boys were down at the place and we're clearing out some land and building some new fence and at one point we just stood back with a glass of water. It was water, okay? Uh, I don't like beer. I don't have a problem if you do, but it tastes horrible to me. And uh, we just looked at our work 
and it was satisfying. You ever do that? You get through with something, whatever it is. Maybe you figured out a math problem. Y'all seen them people that just write a, a mile of math on the board and then they get back and they're satisfied. Maybe it's building a new building. Some of y'all were builders last week. And just to look back and say, you know what? That's so satisfying to see that work at the end of the day. What did Proverbs say? Those who don't work, they're oppressed. They're depressed. But those who find work at the end of the day can look back and find satisfaction. I love what, the, what he said there. I see this as a gift from God. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, I pray that we would know it's your desire for us to be about your business. And Father, we know that part of your business is using our hands and working and using our minds with the abilities you've given us, Father. I thank you that you've made a way that uh, we can work uh, and, and work for a lifetime and then find a, an opportunity to retire and enjoy uh, what you have given us. But Father, at that, we still have a job in your kingdom, a job to work the land, a job to, 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 to be those who are going out to the fields that are ripened to harvest. And Lord, I thank you for those in our church who are able to go and, and to go serve meals at college during the day when others are working and to, to provide transportation for those in the community that need, that need rides to the doctor when others are working. Father, I thank you for, for the opportunity you've given us. You've opened doors for us to be able to provide in that way. Lord, I thank you for the working hands in this church that provide for their family. And then, Father, even beyond that, they provide for your kingdom through gifts and offerings. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, I pray that we would always be mindful. I pray that we wouldn't be enablers, but, Father, we would be one who would offer work, and, Father, we would be able to find jobs, and we'd be able to, to help those in need. I pray as a church we'd be mindful of those who, who have needs, and we can reach those needs, and we can meet those needs. I pray that you'd direct us in those fashions. I pray that you'd direct us to those that, that need a push start, that just, that just need to get back on their feet where they can go out and begin to provide for themselves. Lord, I pray that we'd be sensitive to those areas. Lord, I pray that we would be led by you and directed by you. You would make our thoughts of how we can best minister and how we can best be about your business. Whether it be spiritual work, whether it be our physical labor we go through, I pray that we would do it all, not for earthly masters, but, Father, we would do it all. As we know, we are truly working for you. You are the one master. And, Father, I pray that we'd approach our days like that, knowing that we serve you through the work of our hands. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here. I pray, Lord, that we would just serve you in all that we do, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.